fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. How if? You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Eventually, all things merge into the 30-something movie podcast, and and three guys run through it. <laughs> I t- I t- hold on. Let me back that up for a second. One guy runs through it, and the other two watch him run. There what? we go. There we go. Okay, so I want to know, what, what is merging with our what, – what do we have to do to merge? That's to, – well, I don't mer- know. Merge in the form of – Constructicons merge to form Devastator or merge to form Voltron? Voltron or, or is it the movie Cocoon or what's going on here? I'm just saying. I thought you were setting up a 30-something podcast universe, a cinematic universe for maybe, us. I don't know. Maybe, okay. I think okay. Any or all of that could be very cool. I mean, we can, we can do that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed things up, and I'm going to, instead of doing it slowly over time like marvel did i'm gonna pull a dc and just shove start shoving things together even if the plot doesn't totally make sense i mean especially because the plot doesn't make sense i mean it might look pretty and it might be something that you can enjoy watching from time to time but it might not make too much sense but yeah so this is the 30 something movie podcast so far you have heard pat and you've heard Bo. Gentlemen, how's it going? Great, John. Doing well, John. How are you? Doing all right. So this time around, our movie is A River Runs Through It, based on the Norman McLean book by the same name. Very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about. This is your, pretty much your only warning. And go visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, leave a, I don't know, leave leave whatever you want. Leave something. Leave the world a little better than you saw it. Just don't leave a bag of burning poop. That's that true. Not don't be... do that. That wouldn't be very nice. But oh, you can also become a co-executive producer via Patreon, and if you do that, you get all kinds of benefits there as well and some bonus episodes too. We've got a ton of bonus episodes over there at this point. So I, I did at one point like almost start to calculate things up, and with our bonus episodes – and which I don't really necessarily always keep track of the the numbers of those. And then the fact that this one, I think, is episode 442. Like, we might already be kind of close to having 500 episodes. So I'm not going to, until until this podcast reaches 500, I'm not going to call it that. But this is kind of like when Action Comics, which has been around since 1930-whatever, you know, 1938, like at different points in time, they tried to like renumber some of those comics, and then years later, they'd bring it back, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 no!" While this one might be Action Comics Volume Three, Number Forty Seven, it's actually Action Comics Number Nine Ninety Eight. So, 
wait two more issues and we're going to like triple charge you for a special bonus sized anniversary issue. Well, sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I don't know about all that stuff. That's not, we're not, uh, I don't know if we want to be doing that. We're not, we're not going to do that here. No, we got, you know what? Let's of the math. I do remember. Let's take what the podcast currently costs and let's triple mm-hmm. the cost of it right now. Okay. Cause I think three times zero is still zero. I think so. That's my understanding. That was my understanding. There would be no math, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Our movie this time is A River Runs Through It, as a river is running through Pat's dishes right now. It is. I know. I know. And we're about done. I just have to hit start, and then the dishes will be all done. I'm going to go on right. mute so I don't annoy the audience. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. But our movie is A River Runs Through It. It came out on the 9th of October, 1992, rated PG, with a runtime of two hours and three minutes, directed by Robert Redford, who did Ordinary People and The Horse Whisperer. Writers were Richard Friedenberg who did Dying Young, and Norman McLean, who wrote the book. He died in 1990. He wrote The Ranger. He wrote the story that became the movie called The Ranger, The Cook, and A Hole in the Sky. Producers for this one are Patrick Markey, Amelia, or I'm sorry, Amalia Mato, and Robert Redford. Markey did The Quick and the Dead. Mato did uh, most of, I think most of hers are all Spanish language stuff. So one of hers is, and I'm did not take Spanish, so I'm going to try as much as I can not to butcher this with all the French I took. Nada es para siempre. Sounds pretty good to me. Did I get close? Okay. I think so. I, hopefully I did not insult anybody. I mean, um, I only have slightly more Spanish than you do, but it oh, sounded okay. pretty good. All right. Well, And then Redford produced a civil, a civil action. Civil Union would be a totally different movie. Yeah. Yeah. Music was done by Mark Isham, who did the music for Crash and 42. Cinematography was done by Philippe Rousselot. There's my French, guys. Interview with the Vampire and Big Fish. And then editing was done by Robert Estrin and Lindsay Kingman. Estrin did Badlands and Colors. Kingman did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Outbreak. Budget was $12 million, box office $66 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 70%, and Cinema Score did not have a score for this one. Starring Craig Sheffer as Norman McLean, he was in Some Kind of Wonderful and The Program. Brad Pitt was Paul McLean, he was in Seven Years in Tibet and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Tom Skerritt was Reverend McLean, he was an alien and Top Gun. Brenda Blethyn was Mrs. McLean, she was in Saving Grace and Pride and Prejudice. Emily Lloyd played Jesse Burns, she was in Welcome to Sarajevo and Wish You Were Here. Edie McClurg played Mrs. Burns, she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Stephen Schellen was Neil Burns. Yes, he does. He was in The Bodyguard and Gone in 60 Seconds. Susan Trailer played Rawhide. She was in Heat and Greenberg. Michael Cudlitz played Chubb. He was in Gross Point Blank and The Walking Dead. Rob Cox played Conroy. He was in The Tinderbox and The Bathroom Agreement, which sounds like something that my children do in the morning as they're getting ready for school. William Hootkins played Murphy. He was in Star Wars and Batman. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, in his first film role, played Young Norman. He was in Looper and The Dark Knight Rises. A couple of real quick things in here. George Kunenbergs was a retired railroad engineer, and he was the one that taught, helped teach Brad Pitt, Craig Sheffer, and Tom Skerritt how to fly fish for this movie. He also taught fly fishing and fly tying to his fellow residents, staff members, retirement community. I guess he grew up near the McLean family in Missoula, Montana. His family's cabin was built next door to the McLean family cabin in Sealy Lake, Montana. He learned to fly fish and tie flies from Reverend John McLean and considered Paul McLean to be his best friend. So the friendship between the McLean and the Kunenbergs families continues to this day into its fourth generation. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah. Something else I did see. So uh, it, it, does, it does mention in that trivia piece that George Kunenberg taught Brad Pitt, Craig Sheffer, and Tom Skerritt how to fly fish. There was another part of the trivia that seemed to contradict that, but my guess is that maybe these two things are both true, but at different times. One of the other ones was Brad Pitt trained himself to fly fish for four weeks prior to shooting. Since he was not near any river in Los Angeles, he trained on top of a building. Hmm. I can only imagine Brad Pitt standing on top of a building looking like Indiana Jones just whipping this thing back and forth. And The visuals the visuals are pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both of those trivia pieces are cool. I, the visuals of the one of Brad Pitt standing on top of a building and fly fishing is is the, the funnier one. Yes, agreed. Brad Pitt wanted to make sure that he did this right when he auditioned for this role. He auditioned twice for the role of Paul McClain. The first time he thought it went so terribly that he insisted on sending in a tape where he performed another scene. And based on his performance of that scene, it convinced the director that Brad Pitt was the perfect choice for Paul McClain. Actor William Hurt wanted to play the role of Paul McClain, and he once went fishing with the author Norman McClain in Montana. When Hurt asked if he had fished well enough to portray his brother, McClain replied, Well, Bill, you're a pretty good fisherman, but not good enough to be my brother. And at one point in time, this was considered as a movie that could possibly bring together a real-life family. Lloyd Bridges playing the father and his two sons, Bo Bridges and Jeff Bridges, playing the sons. That would have been an interesting movie. It would have been. It would have been. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that you have quite the same flavor there. The dude abides. Dude abides in the middle of the river. Right. All right. So very quickly, we're, we'll jump into the synopsis here. We've got the trailer for you and then uh, some major moments to walk us through the plot of this one. In a world where two sons of a stern minister, one reserved, one rebellious, grow up in rural 1920s Montana, they'll learn that their father's lessons about fishing might teach them more about life itself. And the trailer was not working earlier, so I'm going to put it in here later. Bum bum bum. Trailer song. It is very long. I missed the trailer song. I'm happy to hear you it. Missed back. trailer song. Okay. I I should actually just make the trailer song official. I like, I think so. Like we have all the little drops for everything else. I should just officially yeah, make the trailer song. Like the little interstitial, you know. It's the trailer song. It isn't very long. Hey. Yeah, we could do that. I think that would be very cool. It is often those we live with and love, the ones we care about the most, who elude us. Even now, when I look back on the Montana of my youth, I long to understand what happened there and why. Norm, what do you want to be when you grow up? Minister, I guess. What are you going to be? First or fly fisherman? There's no such thing. There is it? Hmm. My brother Paul and I grew up in a time when the land was still untouched. In Montana, there are three things we're never late for. Church, work, and fishing. It was a world of wonder and possibility. I'm in love with Jessie Burns. With all the fish in the river. I'm not like her.
But it was a tough world, too. You're picking your brother up too much lately. Why is it the people who need the most help won't take it? I know how we can go down in history. I understand he's changed the spelling of our name. I want you to know I can help. Boys, what have you done? You're in debt up your damn neck. I'll be fine. Hang on! From boys to men. The world is full of bastards. The number increasing rapidly the further one gets from Missoula, Montana. Amen. In life and in love. <laughs> All memories become one. And a river runs through it. From Academy Award-winning director Robert Redford comes the classic story of an American family. All right, so our major moments for this one. I've got seven major moments that are going to walk us through the plot, and then we'll get into our deeper thoughts on the movie itself. So quickly... Kind of walking through the plot here. Major moment number one, the McLean boys growing up. So we get uh, we get a voiceover, and the narration is done by Robert Redford himself. And uh, the narration is being done on the part of Norman McLean, as he is the writer of the original novel. And we get to see the boys growing up from from very young age. And like I said, we, we see a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt in his first film role. And we get to see the boys growing up. Under the under the roof of a in that description that synopsis they called him a stern minister I guess stern is is probably a right word for this I mean he's not he doesn't seem to be super harsh but he does have I think he's he's got fairly straightforward expectations for the boys and and you know what they should be doing and all that but I yeah I I don't know I, some for some reason the word stern doesn't necessarily seem to fit because it was like well yeah he's stern as long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and then when their school day is over, when they've learned what they need to learn, when they've written the essay and cut it in half multiple times, then basically just go, run, play, fish, do whatever. So, but what a way to grow up. Like, that. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember growing up as a kid, I feel like there was probably a little bit more freedom than maybe what our kids have now. I just remember mm-hmm. that at different points in time, you just kind of... Like, if it was a Saturday or if it was after school, you kind of just disappeared for a little bit and you maybe came home around dinner time. Mm-hmm. When the street lights come on, you come home. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, I, I lived in the suburbs, so there really wasn't too far you could go. I, once I did end up living in a smaller town that was a little bit more rural, and I kind of... That was a little bit of culture shock because, you know, a lot of my friends there were just like, yeah, let's just, I don't know, let's just... Start walking. Like, walk where? I don't know. Down by the creek. Down by the creek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can go by the creek. We can go by the, there's the, the cemetery over here. There's the, 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 like, okay. I mean, when I was growing up, it was, you lived in a suburb. So basically you could walk up and down the sidewalk if you wanted to, but you're really not going too far. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine growing up in a place where it's like this, if it's Missoula, Montana, and you just have these 
massive, beautiful, wide open spaces and rivers. And it reminded me a little bit of when I did live in England. And because we were so close to some forests and kind of a lot of wooded areas around there that there were times where I, once I made some friends at my new school, kind of hop on our bike on a Saturday morning and just disappear. And we'd be roaming around the forest for a good part of the day. And eventually you'd make your way back home. Isn't it amazing, like, compared suburb to, like, something rural? Um, oh, yeah. Isn't it amazing when, and you think of kind of getting into the middle of the woods or going down a trail or something like that, and then all of a sudden you think of being in the suburbs and you think, well, I got to stay on the sidewalks. And I don't know how many times I've been going and I'll be out and I'll be, like, run down the sidewalk and all of a sudden the sidewalk ends. Now, there might be businesses there that have these big lawns and these big things that you just run right across. It's, it's grass. It's mm-hmm. like nicely groomed grass, but like we're conditioned to, you got to be on the sidewalk. Whereas if you were out somewhere else, you'd be like, oh, I'll run down the side of the road. There's a field I can go across, you know, and as long as you're not trespassing, you're okay. Yeah. But it's amazing how you do that. And then suddenly you're like, oh man, I've got to stay on the sidewalk. I, you know, yeah. as opposed to being out somewhere where there aren't sidewalks, and then it's just like, oh, well, I'll just run through the woods, find a trail, and find my way to the river. Yeah. You know? So the we move into the next major moment, and the McLean boys have grown up at this point, still getting into a little bit of mischief. We do have the one scene where they are they steal the boat, and they're going to take it down the rapids in the river. That is one thing for all the exploring that I did when I did live in places where you could explore the woods and, and all kinds of other stuff. I was not a strong swimmer or swimmer at all for most of my years growing up. So that would not have been one of the more daring things I would have tried to do as a kid. I would, I would not be a boat going down the rapids kind of thing. I think it'd be so cool. I'm not sure I'm ever going to do it because oh, yeah. I think I'd, but I'm with you. I, I feel like I, if I could guarantee my survival, then I'd be fine with it. But then I think that might take away part of the fun. Probably. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I think you, you see those guys do the rapids now, you know what I'm saying? And those rafts oh, yeah. and stuff, and they got life jackets and helmets and that, and they look like they're having a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd, I'd be more up for it if it was that. Like if I had, yeah. the, if I had the proper safety gear. Yeah. But like I said, I'm not a strong swimmer to begin with, so it still would still would make me a little nervous. It would it would give you pause. Yeah. Well, what gives Norman pause is that after he goes off to school and comes back, he is he's at a dance and happens to meet Jesse Burns, who he begins to kind of fall for a little bit. And so they start dating. And as they are dating, there are some we get a few little snippets here and there of him back in town and um you know coming back and seeing his brother paul who has become a newspaper man and paul this major moment i'm calling paul's constant trouble so paul is getting into you get little hints here and there that paul's getting into a bit of money troubles at some of the speakeasies at some of the you know card tables that they've got in the back of these speakeasies and so i think one of the policemen at one point mentioned something about, hey, I've, I've been picking your brother up a whole lot more lately. You might want to just do something about that. So Norman kind of starts to get the sense that maybe things are not okay with his brother. We have the one scene where the brother brings in, they go kind of on a double date, and I forget what the girl's name is, but he brings in a girl with him who is a Native American, 
and that is against the what's the the one guy say kind of the bouncer says that not the uh, that she's it's almost like a we don't serve their kind here right right what is, how does he say it you know the rules or something like that yeah. and wasn't that I'm I'm blanking out now was that William Hootkins who said that was that Porkins who said we basically said we don't serve their kind here it might be yeah oh, that is so awesome. We're we're making all kinds of in the in the thirty something cinematic universe. We're making all there kinds of connections, all connection. Any any connection we can make, we will stretch any possible connection to make it all Star Wars related. All Star Wars, all the time. All Star Wars, all the time. more Star Wars, more better. Major moment number four. I'm calling as as the as Norman gets a little bit more serious with Jesse, and ends up meeting her family, and and it's a very different kind of family dynamic than what he's used to. And this part is kind of funny. Her her brother comes back into town, and, and we find that he's a bit of a a bit of an alcoholic, a bit of a playboy, and uh, he kind of gets wrangled into going fishing with them. Fishing is, how shall I put it, not his bag, baby. <laughs> well, you don't show up. Don't show up hungover to fishing. Well, and and what is it? It's not uh, in the McLean house anyway. No, no, no. And in Montana, what is it? You don't show up late to. You don't show up late to church. Mm-hmm dinner and fishing or what was it church work and fishing church work and fishing maybe yeah 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 although it does make you feel like dinner ought to be in there somewhere i feel like it that should be a fourth one so this i already said it when i mentioned his name during the credits portion of everything i'm calling this major moment moment neil burns yes he does (laughs) because he happens to fall asleep outside in the in the buff as it were oh natural and point the sunburn and he, he ends up and with a, a little bit of hot cross buns. Is it just me or do they imply that he might have burns otherwhere as well? It that might have been implied. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So then that gets to be kind of awkward when Norman has to bring him back home and in nothing but the nothing but the suit that God gave him. And uh, brings him back home and that does not go over well with Jesse. So they have a, a little bit of a falling out there for a bit. And then we get to kind of interspersed with all these other scenes is occasionally we will go back to the river and the boys will be either fishing on their own or fishing with their father. And that's kind of one of the through lines that, that keeps going throughout this movie is it brings it all back to the river and it brings it back to the idea of the fly fishing. And I haven't had as much of a chance to, to talk with him in depth about it, but the, the, the pastor at the church that we go to, this is his favorite movie. Like he, he lived uh, before he moved back here. I think he was born down in central Illinois, but then he, he went off and, and for a, most of his life, he was the pastor of a church in Montana. Might've been, might've been Bozeman. I'm kind of blanking out on where it was exactly, but he has mentioned before, cause he, he knows that we do a movie podcast and he actually had done a podcast with a really good friend of his about fly fishing. And so they did when, when he was wanting to start his podcast, he was asking me questions about starting one. And I remember him telling me that this was, and he's mentioned it before, that this is one of his favorite movies because being set in Montana and he loves to go fly fishing and, and all that. But that is one of the through lines that kind of continues as the movie goes along is bringing it all back to the fly fishing part of it and, and kind of what their father taught them. And and you can see from time to time how Norman is not quite, he, he works at it, but he's not quite the natural that his brother Paul ends up becoming and and this major moment I'm calling Paul attains perfection is he's watching Paul is as he's fly fishing and 
he has that one really great line where he says something along the lines of, and then I noticed that for the first time, Paul had broken through our father's instruction or our fa- something about that and had kind of become something of his, become something of his own, that he had he'd kind of passed through what their father had taught them and become his own thing. And I think he said something about it was, I was, I was observing perfection or something like that. Mm-hmm. Major moment number six is then as he finds out that he has been offered a job in Chicago, he is planning on moving to Chicago. He does want Jesse to come with him. And around about this time is also where we find out that Paul has died, that because of some of his dealings with the card players in the back of the speakeasies, that he was beaten to death. And so the, the kind of the back portion of the movie is, the family dealing with the loss of Paul, the parents being devastated by the loss of one of their sons. And then we get to the very end, and it's Reverend, Reverend McLean's final sermon. I think they even say that might have been his last sermon that he gives at the very end of the movie. Yeah, they do say close to the end. Close yeah. to when, when he himself passed away. So Yeah. And that's how we wrap up the movie, is we wrap up the movie with the kind of the, the narration by Robert Redford talking about the last sermon of the father, kind of talking about how... Sometimes you don't know how to help people that need help, especially when they are closest to you. But his, his kind of final thought is, you know, to provide, provide love and care regardless of what people have done and, and to treat them that way. And, and then we end with the, kind of the final narration of an, an older Norman McLean fly fishing in the river. And, and we get the line of that's something along the lines of all things merge together and a river runs through it, which I, with the tone of the movie, I, I, I could play my little drop of Peter Griffin going, uh, uh, he said it, he said the title of the movie. Not going to though, not going to. I might, I, if I change my mind, I'll, I'll do it later. But so those are the major moments. Do you feel like I missed anything? in the major moments before we talk about our opinions and get into some of our deeper thoughts. I think that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Well, let's wade into the river and get into some of our deeper thoughts here. And now deep thoughts. Wade in the water. (gasps) Whoa. All right, deep thoughts. Man. Before we started recording, I, I was kind of interested by some of the comments that I was hearing here and there. So let's just do it. Let's just let's let's dive in, as it were. Did you like this movie? Yes. Okay. That's that's a reluctant yes. Well, it's it's not that I didn't like the movie, it's that it's that I hated the film. <laughs> like it was fine but it was fine because i was gonna watch it for the podcast i'm not sure there's much about it that makes me run out and say i'm gonna go sit and watch that again okay like if we weren't gonna talk about it it's not the kind of movie that floats my boat there's nothing wrong with the movie Mm -hmm. maybe not i'm not maybe the audience yeah Patrick? I like the movie. I, it was a different pace, a different style of movie is maybe a little bit wrong. I was, I was almost reminded of, believe it or not, the joy luck club. Okay. And I, I was reminded of, there was one other film 
and I, I, I just, I was trying to think of it now, but I was reminded of those because there isn't like the bad guy that we got to deal with. There wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like there was some big thing, like the family had a falling out and all this that they had to get over. Mm-hmm. It was just about life, you yeah. know, and I enjoyed it. It was the, was the movie slow paced. I, you might be able to say that, but I, I guess slow sounds like a negative. It was just relaxed. It was just kind of like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? And just kind of like a hot day. I'm just going to sit on the porch, drink a glass of lemonade and just kind of hang for a little bit. And that's kind of what I felt like <clears throat> with this movie. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tend to enjoy, I mean, I, I can pretty much watch anything as long as it's not cool world. Um, mm-hmm. But I can, we pretty much will watch just about anything. And, and sometimes it's just kind of nice to, the timing of this one, we had to watch it at this point because we were doing it for the podcast, but we do love a, a good slow-paced movie from time to time. It just kind of, it almost like forces you, as you're watching the movie, it almost forces you to slow down yourself and just relax a little bit and just watch the movie and don't be in a hurry. And from time to time, totally up for that. I did enjoy this movie, and I, I don't recall, I feel like I had watched it once before, but then at different times, I was kind of getting myself confused. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of Legends of the Fall. Mm, so at different times, I was I was kind of blending some of the, I was like, yeah, wasn't well, there the, there's the point in this where like the one brother falls in love with this girl, but then the other brother kind of steals her away. I was like, no, 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 wait, that's Legends of the Fall. That's not this one. I mean, and it doesn't help that Brad Pitt's in both of those. But yeah, so I think there there were a few times where things I thought that were in this movie. I was like, no, 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 that's Legends of the Fall. But I I did enjoy this one. Like, even if, because I don't know that I feel like I would say that the story was too slowly paced. I think it was appropriately slow paced for the type of story that it is. I mean, it's a movie about when you're when you're kind of major metaphor and your your major visual are fly fishing out on the river. You're not if you've been fishing before, and and that'll be one of our three questions here in a little bit. You're not really in a hurry when you're fishing. Like you're you're pretty much waiting most of the day, most of the morning when you're out there fishing. It's there's a lot of waiting, and it's a little it's it's quiet sometimes, and it's a little slow sometimes, but. That's kind of the way it is. And I think the the slower pace of this movie, coupled with the just beautiful visuals that always make me want to go drive or fly to Montana and spend more time there, just, I yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Am I going to seek it out as one that I would watch again, having now watched it? Probably not. But watching it, watching it all the way through one time and, and being able to, you know, see the cinematography and get the story and everything else... Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was one of the things, when I think about this movie in particular, and I think it's it's probably the same thing. I was going to look it up, and I, I didn't get a chance to. Does Legends of the Fall take place in Montana, too? Well, let's find out. Yeah, it actually does. Yep. 
Yeah, it's almost the same time period. In the early 1900s, three brothers and their father living in the remote wilderness of Montana are affected by betrayal, history, love, nature, and war. Yeah. So they are very similar, very similar movies. But yeah, and I, and I think that when I... When I think about these these two movies in particular, I think part of it is also the visuals, and like a a place like Montana, like when you have a, and that's probably part of the appeal of the movie is, I'm almost treating it as if I'm watching a, you know, National Geographic or BBC travel documentary, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to see some beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Yes. So which of these in the in the growing up that these brothers are doing, which of these brothers do you feel like you would identify with more? Are you more of a Norman or are you more of a Paul? Oh, I don't know that anyone's going to call me preacher, so <laughs> I think maybe Paul. Maybe Paul? Yeah. I feel like I would like to be in some ways a little bit more of a Paul, but I definitely would be more of a Norman because I'm going to be more of a rule follower. Mm. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be more of the one that's like, all right, well, these are the things that if I'm, if I'm going to do things and I'm going to do them quote unquote, right. Then this is the trajectory I need to follow. Like I, I need to go to college. I need to do this. I need to get a job. I need to do. And I feel like that's part of the, Part of the fly fishing metaphor is sometimes when you see those scenes where they're out fishing in the river and Norman struggles. He might catch a fish, same size as what his brother catches, but it doesn't come naturally to him. Like his movements are a little clunky sometimes. It just doesn't flow necessarily. And then you see the scenes where Brad Pitt's out there, where Paul is out there, and he makes that comment at the one at the one point, and he's like, I, I was observing perfection take place. And it just seems to be such a much more natural way of being. So I think the part of the story is telling you that if you if you're the straight laced, follow the rules, all kinds of stuff, you might not become artistic perfection, if you want to call it that. But you know, you if you're lucky enough, you might have a brother that does it and you get to watch him. <laughs> I don't know. What else do you guys think about this one? <sighs> was there anything in particular that kind of jumped out at you as you're like, that was pretty cool, or ah, I could have done with a little less of that? Well, I thought it was pretty cool. Like I said, just the pace of the storytelling. Like I was waiting for something to be some big, like pivotal plot point mm-hmm. of, oh man, like when the brothers got into a fight, that was that was pretty intense. Yeah. They got and, and the then the mom comes in. The mom got knocked down. She's yelling. And I thought, oh, my God, this is it. Mom's going to get injured, and that's going to be the wedge between the two brothers. Or the dad's going to come in. and oh, But it was like, no, it, it isn't. It was, dare I say, maybe a little bit more realistic. It wasn't some big melodramatic thing. It was just a, you guys clear off and calm down, and guys, I just slipped. Now get out of here. Like, that kind of thing. I mean, it was just, it was just a story about, like, their lives. And when they saw each other, they were happy to see each other. And the competition came back, right? Like when they're out there fishing for the first time, hey, you're just a little rusty, cast here, do it this way. 
why are you doing it that way? And it's just like, man, I don't want my little brother telling me what to do. Let me just figure this out. I, I got to, you know, when they meet the, he meets his girlfriend's brother and they're kind of like the brothers, like, well, he's an alcoholic. And I mean, he's just suffering from so much. And then she's getting mad at him. Why didn't you keep an eye on him? Why didn't you control him? Why didn't, and he's just like, well, I'm not even, it's not like they're even married, right? Like he's just kind of the boyfriend. What was he supposed to do? But even that kind of happens, right? Like, okay, I'm dealing with my girlfriend's family and this one's crazy, but I still have to deal with it. And doesn't she even look at him at the end and say, how come the people that need help don't get it or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So then it's like, oh yeah, she was so mad at him for not keeping her brother like under control. She didn't expect him to keep her brother under control. She's just venting her anger at something that can, she can vent her anger at. Right. 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 And I, I just, I was just, wow, the movie just did so much in those little telling the stories that was in the shadows, right? Telling the story that you don't see. I think they, they just did a great job with it. Yeah, and all of these, all the, all the actors, all the characters in this, it's one of those where I think you, you might have mentioned it before, Pat, that it's not a, there's no villain in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, there's, there's just life, Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's I think that's one of the fun things about it is it's just it's not. You don't have to have a villain. You don't always have a villain. You don't you don't have to have a ton of action. It's you're just watching people grow up. You're watching this family grow right. up. And now my wife and I did kind of chuckle about it because in terms of the things that we like to read, like she had said that she had always wanted to read this book. And I was like, okay, well, do you actually want to like wait and not watch the movie together? I can watch the movie without you, and we can watch it again later if you want to. And she's like, no, I, I've already got too many other books. I'm I'm backlogged on reading, so let's go ahead and watch it. But it was kind of funny. We chuckled at a couple of different parts because we could tell this is very much the kind of book that she would love reading mm-hmm. because it's going to have long, descriptive paragraphs and passages, whereas the style of things, like the, my favorite style of of fiction writing is minimalism. And so okay. I, I really appreciated the scene where the preacher is uh, where Reverend McLean is teaching his son how to write. And he's like, good. Now cut it in half. Good. Cut it in half again. Mm-hmm. Cut it in half like that. I'm, I'm watching that part and I'm going now there is a man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. Cut it in half. Yeah. Cut it in half. I don't mind. I mean, I'm I'm good for a, a flowery, descriptive passage every now and then, but it's just it's not my go-to. Like if it's pages and pages of describing one tiny little detail, that's that's not for me necessarily. That's that's one of the reasons I struggled a bit with. Uh, was it trying to trying to get through the first part of Victor Hugo's Les Misérables? Oy. So I was like, how many pages are we going to talk about what kind of pipe the uh, the bishop likes to smoke? <laughs> Ten more than you wanted is is the answer to your question. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, oh, man, the, the musical definitely moves faster than this does. So, but I, and part of it, I think, appealed to me, too, was one of the first things when I first went to college and, and the job that I th- think I thought I was going to have it first before I got into education was a newspaper. So like the whole idea of him being a newspaper man and being a reporter, 
Like that was that was kind of fun, and that was part of his character that that I enjoyed because I'm like, all right, well, I see a little bit of myself there in the uh, the newspaper man side of the, his story. But yeah, it's just kind of it's it's fun because you can kind of I think it's a it's a a story about generations. Yeah, I think it's it's just fun to kind of watch all these characters grow up as they go through this. Mm-hmm. Was there anything in the movie that anything bothered you? Anything you would have taken out? Not that I can think of, because even though I said it wasn't really my speed, I think you're right when you say it was a slice of these people's lives. So you had to see the early stuff to support the later stuff. You know, if you're talking about like taking stuff out, maybe it's not so much taking out content. It's just tightening things up a little bit. Uh, move well, the movie along. Cause there were a few times that I thought, wow, they, they jumped over some years pretty quickly. I'm like, we, we went from young kids to pretty much grown men pretty fast. But no, I, th- I think the way, the way it was paced and, and what they chose to include was, was all, was all really good. I agree. I don't, I don't know that much more should, should have been taken out. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I, the only thing I think I would have added in maybe is a little bit more, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to make it too obvious, but maybe a little bit more with some of his financial and or gambling struggles. Mm-hmm. Like that seemed to, that seemed to kind of come up and then we kind of ignored it for a bit and then it kind of came up at the end and then he's dead. Well, but wasn't that sort of maybe emblematic of how the family handled it? Like it was because they kind of they didn't really talk about it. They just sort of yeah, like we don't talk about that, right? Yeah, and I think that's what it was meant to invoke. I mean, it's that same there's a word for it, and I am not pulling it out of my vocabulary right now. That that word. Yeah, gosh, I want it to be like, you know, where you turn a blind eye to something, but there's a term for it, and I, it is failing me right now. So yeah. the English language is is gone. Yeah. I got nothing. Right. <laughs> Sweep it under the rug. Bury your bury your head in the sand. Yeah, but I feel like there's a there's a there's a <clears throat> word, but it's not not happening in my head. So here we are. Disregard. Maybe. Sweep aside, gloss over. I don't know. I'm just running through the the thesaurus right now. Yeah, no, I I understand. (laughs) But you see what I I mean? Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what the family was doing with those issues. They were, they were not paying attention or yeah. Which sounds like it seems like from this movie is trying to tell you that every family does that because clearly with with Neil in the Burns family they were yeah sweeping his drunkenness and other behavior under the rug and so I guess that's part of the lesson of this is maybe talk a little bit more. Mm. All right, I do we have we've got some three questions that I think as we answer the three questions we'll. We might bring up a little bit more about the movie. Is there anything else about the movie itself? I, I would say no. I think everything you said, beautiful visuals. I found a compelling story. Robert Redford, great narration. And I, I mean, 
great filmmaking. He was directing this one or did he write and direct? Directing. Directing. Yeah. Because I know it was based on that, well, that true story. It's based mm-hmm. on that life of the family. I can't remember whether it was an autobiography or a book written about them or yeah, how that somewhat. went. Yeah, I mean, because it was written by Norman McLean. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was just a relaxing, enjoyable movie to watch. All right, it's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. Have you ever been fishing? Yes. Yeah, me too. When I've was been last, fishing. When was the last time you went fishing? Cool. Oh. Many, many moons for me. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, same for me. It's It's been a while. I, I like doing other stuff on the water and swimming and all that kind of stuff. So It's easily been... I'm trying to think it's... 30 years since I've been fishing. It I mean, could be I, about that long for me. Yeah. I mean, I used to I used to go with, with both of my grandfathers. Both of my grandfathers loved fishing. And when we went to go visit them, it was either down in Texas or down in Southwest Missouri. And there's, there's a lot of different places you can go fishing down there. But I mean, that was one of the, that was one of the main activities I always remember doing with both of my grandfathers, you know, and different, different fun stories related to fishing trips that we went on. And the, the one that I, the one that I will never forget for a couple of different reasons is because is my grandfather and I went fishing this one time and we were catching catfish <laughs> and we had been there most of the morning and nothing, nothing on our line. And all of a sudden, and this is when I was, I was probably about, oh, maybe eight years old. I was terrified of dogs. I probably mentioned this before. I was terrified of dogs as a kid. I got chased by a pack of dogs when I was about three in our neighborhood mm-hmm. And I, who knows if the dogs were just wanting to play with me or, or what, but as a three-year-old, I see a group of dogs running at me and it freaked me out. So, so for most of my life, I was absolutely terrified of dogs. So my grandpa and I are out fishing and we've been there all morning and we're not catching anything. And all of a sudden he starts to catch, he, he gets something on his line. He gets a bite. Well, almost simultaneously, I hear a dog barking and I see this dog kind of like run out of some bushes, maybe I don't know, 100 yards away from where we are. And I beeline it to jump into the back of my grandpa's truck (laughs) so that I am just, I am out of here. I am not anywhere near where that dog is. In the meantime, my grandpa is yelling. He's like, John, get the net. John, get the net. He's like trying to pull this fish in. Well, it turns out it was a pretty decent sized catfish. I think it ended up being about a six pound catfish. Mm-hmm. And it, it had a bit of fight in it. So I remember he just was struggling the whole time and he, he finally got it in and he got it, but not with any help from me. Cause I was hiding in the, in the back <laughs> of the <pickup laughs> trying to get away from this dog. Yeah. 
and then he thought it would be he then he thought it would be hilarious. He brought it back when he brought me back home. He thought it'd be really funny to to cut the head off of the catfish. He was going to take the rest of it back home and and cook it. But he cut the head off the catfish, put a string on it, and put it up, uh, tied it up in one of the branches of the tree in our backyard. Mm. Mm. Needless to say, my mother was not thrilled when every cat in the neighborhood started coming to visit our backyard. <laughs> we had a catfish head hanging from one of the branches. That's hysterical. There it is. She was not very happy with him. Something only that. grandpa would try. Oh, he thought it was hilarious. But uh, yeah, my mom was not super thrilled with, with that arrangement. <laughs> and she made her discrepancy clear. Yes. I'm not even sure she's eaten catfish since then. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always remember going fishing with, and that's one of the things that knowing that my kids with, with my dad passing away several years ago and, and my wife's dad passing away way before our kids were born, like they, they're not going to have that experience. Like they won't have the experience of fishing with their grandpas, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I did. And, that's one of those things where you kind of just have to, you have to be like, well, not everybody's going to have the same experience. Right. You got to, you got to make the growing up, make the experiences good, whatever they're going to be, but they're not going to be a carbon copy of what you did and what you went through and all that. And, and probably they shouldn't be to a certain degree. But that is one thing that I always think about. I'm like, oh man, like that's, those are really good memories that I have. And I, I'm not a fisherman, so I don't take my kids fishing. I haven't taken them fishing up to this point, and like I feel like I should at some point before they're too old and completely gone, but yeah, I don't even have a, I don't even have a fishing pole anymore. <laughs> yeah, it seems it's kind of one of those lost activities to a lot of people. Like yeah. I feel like fishing is one of those like you are either a fisherman or you're not. There's right. not a whole lot of casual fishing these or, days. Or you live in the south and there is a bunch of casual fishing. Well, yeah, okay. So maybe I should say in our area. Right, right, right. Now, that being said, my brother-in-law loves to do it once in a blue moon. Oh, yeah. But other than him, the only people I know who fish are like, we're going, they go fishing like right. on our, on the regular. Yeah. And that's just a whole different, a whole different deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's been a little while. Question number two, what's the worst sunburn you've ever had? Well, I'll take that out in California, and we were out there for a time, and because at the time I was studying martial arts, and there was a big, like, series of seminars and tournaments and all this kind of stuff, and it was right after graduated college, and so we went out there for, like, a week or two, and we tried to get to the beach and surf as much as we possibly could. And so we were doing that and we were good with wearing wetsuits and putting sunscreen on where, and then there was one time that I think the wetsuits, I don't think we rented wetsuits. And so we didn't have covering on top. And so we were only going out for an hour. Didn't put sunscreen on. I got so badly burned (laughs) And the next day was grappling day. So like, it was like, don't want anybody touching you. And it was like 10 hours of grappling. And I just remember getting thrown around the mats and like just seeing layers of skin 
come flying off. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was a little rough. That one was a little rough. Yeah, I can imagine. I've been trying to think about this and I don't remember any horrible ones. I suppose the most recent one that I'm recalling as I have gotten older, my hair has been thinning a bit on the top of my head. Oh. And I got my first sunburn of my bald spot. Ah. And I swear Ouch. that thing peeled for weeks. Ouch. And, you know, just like combing your hair hurt and taking a shower hurt. And it just hurt. Yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> great. Not great. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of a specific time where I've had the worst sunburn I've ever had. Due to the fair Scottish skin that I have, it's every time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like mm. every time is the worst time. I don't have it as bad as my dad did. Like, my dad's skin was so pale that he would, <laughs> when he, would, when he would drive in the car, he actually had to bring a towel with him if he was wearing shorts. And actually, even sometimes... Even if he was not wearing shorts, even if he was wearing like jeans, he had to put a towel over his jeans or his shorts because he would burn through his clothes. Good Lord, oh, man. That's, yeah. yeah. Like if he was driving in the car and there was just, if the sun was just beating down on the car, if like the sun was at just the right angle that it would get him, he would get sunburned while driving in the car. And if, if his if the jeans or pants he was wearing were thin enough, he could get sunburned through his clothes. Jeez. That's, so, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, thankfully I didn't get that. But I do have a tendency to, if I'm out for any length of time and there's no sunscreen on, then it's, it's going to get unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, not Neil Burns' level of unpleasant, but. Well, no, that looked, yeah, that looked, that was special. Yeah, he was. He was well done. All right, question number three. What is your favorite Tom Skerritt role? I mean, I feel like there's an obvious answer to this one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Viper. Anyone? Mm-hmm. The obvious answer is Viper. I, I have a different answer to go along with saying that Viper may be the obvious answer, but. What's your what's your alternate answer? I like him. I like him as Dallas and Alien. Right, mm. but I but I do think Viper might have to be the first choice. Well, it, yeah, it's definitely the one you think about. I mean, he's he's really good in Steel Magnolias. Hmm. I'm giving it one more like one more look, but mm-hmm. Viper was the. He's good in contact. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's very good in contact. He was also in The Rookie with Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Whenever I think of Tom Skerritt, I think of him in serious roles. Mm -hmm. But there is one of a comedic role of his that I do enjoy his Evan Drake on um, cheers. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that's Evan, a very fun, like something different, you know? Yeah. Evan Drake. I don't, 
he plays Rebecca's boyfriend, rich boyfriend, who ends up basically being a con artist and oh yeah then bilking her out of some money at the end and yeah he's yeah there's no way i could have missed that i just don't remember you know, yeah I'm, it was uh, you know, it's funny i would have said he was on a good chunk of that season but as i look at it now i think it's only six episodes mm-hmm. i would have said many many more than that so yeah. and i had it didn't pop into my head until I looked down his IMDb list. But once mm-hmm. I saw it, I was like, Oh yeah, he is pretty fun in that. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Right. Cheers was such a great show. Indeed. All right. Well, yeah, I think he did tons of good stuff, but Viper. Yeah, Viper is Viper. the most memorable out of all of them, I think. I'll fly with you. Yeah. I'd fly with him. <laughs> I care. I care. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the 30-something movie podcast. Go visit us at 30podcast.com our website. You can check out all of our stuff there. Past episodes, everything else, become a co-executive producer via Patreon there. You can get access to all of our bonus episodes. Speaking of which, our bonus episodes coming up in November this month are King of Comedy from 82, Rocky 3 from 82, Black Adam from 2020. Next month, our Patreons will be Eating Raul from 82, Christmas Story Christmas from 2022, and Conan the Barbarian from 1982. Our regular episodes at this point, uh, we are down to the last month of the year. So after this, we have got Santa Claus the Movie, The Babe, All I Want for Christmas, Home Alone 2, and Muppet Christmas Carol. And then we are right out into 1993 after that. And uh, I don't think I've publicly shared the, uh, the schedule yet for what's happening, but let's just say that for the first week, we're, we're, we're starting off strong here. I mean, this this is a little bit like... Pat telling me how excited he was for Batman 89 and me making sure that the first episode of 2019 was Batman 89 because I feel like three or four years was enough delayed gratification on his part. Give her, John. What can what can you say? I try to be. What can I say about the first week of 1993, of, of 2023? Comes out with a roar? With Comes out with a roar. Let's just say hold on to your butts. <laughs> that's it that'll 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 tell you everything you need to know and pat's excited because we're finishing january with uh, dragon the bruce lee story so there's ah, that that's such a great movie yeah and if you want to be uh, if you're not one of our patreon folks already and you want to get into it the january patreon our first one coming up is going to be the outsiders from 1983 oh that that's awesome, awesome. Movie. Awesome movie. Love that one. By virtue of teaching English in a middle school, I've seen that movie about 26 times. <laughs> so, there is Of course that. you have. Well, we're going to stay gold. I hope the rest of you stay gold. And when the 30-something movie podcast Cinematic Universe all merges together, a, a river runs through it. And, uh, yeah. and we try not to drown. We try not to drown. I mean, I can't swim, so I really try not to drown as much as possible. I've always made it a goal. It's a good move. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. I always enjoy talking movies with you. Thank you, John, for getting us together and putting those lists together. I'm looking forward to 93. It is. There's some fun stuff. Where was I in 1993?
I don't know where I was. I think I was still in England. Yeah. I was probably roaming around getting in trouble. Who as, are you? As I'm you shocked. Do, as you do when you're 12. In England. In England. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time.